0: Our scripture reading for this morning will be found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1-10. through 10. And our sermon today is entitled, A Faith Seen. A Faith Seen. This is the Word of God. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. And how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. May the Lord bless us in the reading of His holy word. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you here once again. As we gather to worship our Lord Jesus, I welcome everyone who is who are watching us on YouTube. Uh, we do hope that one day all of us will be able to gather here together. There is something special when people gather together. You can see each other eye to eye, face to face. You're able to sort of touch people. You're able to have conversations and get all the nuances of, of body language. Just just the presence. And what's even more special about that is because the Holy Spirit lives in each and every one of you. When we are gathered together to worship our God, when we are gathered together to, to help one another to see the true and living God, that Holy Spirit is manifested and seen in the midst of our gatherings. A blessing that the Lord has given to the church for the way that we interact and love one another, especially in person, the way we sing together and worship together, especially in person, we can see the Holy Spirit in God's presence in our midst. I know that all of you are longing, longing for heaven, and we should long for heaven, for Christ's return. We should sure long for being able to see each one of us in our perfected state. A state where we only want to serve the Lord and love the Lord. A state where we can say no to sin. And in fact, in our perfected state, we won't, e- we won't even blink twice about wanting to love and serve our Lord. We long for that day. The purpose of the church was for us as a group of people together. Too long for that day. A step in between, so to speak. And so I pray and I hope all of you pray that hopefully as time goes by, all of us can gather here together in person and be sanctified together, encouraged together that the Lord is our God. You see, when Paul went In his missionary journeys, he had one task in mind, to build churches. The purpose of him spreading the gospel was not simply so individuals can come to know Jesus, but to establish churches where the gospel can thrive and where the gospel can go out. Paul would stop in different areas to synagogues to to preach the gospel to the Jewish people first to, to convince them that what was written in the Old Testament has come to fulfillment in Jesus himself. That when he would go to the Greeks and the outsiders, he would persuade them that the philosophies of their time, what they were trying to seek in terms of truth, meaning, that that was all fulfilled in Jesus as well. And that together, that they would gather together in one place, sharing life and worshiping the Lord to grow in maturity to the fullness of God. And so Paul here, when he writes to the church in Thessalonia, is doing the same thing. He's not writing to individuals. He's writing to a group of people. And I want you to understand that whenever you read Scripture, yes, when you read Scripture, God is talking to you directly. But when you read the, the letter to Thessalonians or the letter to Ephesus or, or to, to any of these letters, the context you have to first look at is how does this letter affect this corporate body called the church of Thessalonia, And then how does this letter impact our church, CCPC, as well. For it is our body here that has a most relevant application in the letter, in Paul's letter to 1 Thessalonians. Now, we saw last week that Paul had visited in his second missionary trip, along with along with uh, Silas, or Sylvanus here, but we'll call him Silas, Silas and Timothy, planting churches. We know that he stayed three weeks there. He spoke three Sabbaths. And within those three weeks, God performed a miracle. People came to know the Lord, and a church was established. Three weeks is a very, very short time to establish a church. But these were special times where God's favor was poured out tremendously. And the church was established with its leaders already. And the fruit of that church was beginning to be made known or seen throughout all of the known world as well. And as he established that church and went from place to place, we could see that Paul's heart had never left that community of believers. In fact, it's not just Paul, but we see that this letter, we have no reason to say contrary, that we can say that this is not only a Pauline letter, a letter written by Paul, but that this letter was also written by Silas and Timothy, that these three men together wrote with their hearts of their love for these people. Paul begins his letters always with hope. Paul begins all of his letters praising God himself for what he has established and done for the body of Christ. And here's point one if you're taking notes. Always give thanks for your church. I'll say that again. Always give thanks for your church. Now you might say, Pastor Young, our church has so many problems. Or Pastor Young, the, the churches I went in the past, they had so many issues. Just wait for the rest of the letter for Thessalonians. We'll come to them. Read the letter to the Corinthian church. You'll you'll see lots of issues. Read the letter to the church in Philippi. There are still issues, even though that letter is the letter of joy. But Paul, knowing who God is and what God has established, always gives thanks to every church, every local body, has been established by the gospel. Listen to what he says in verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, in his prayers, when he thinks about the church in Thessalonians, He does not think first and foremost of all the issues that he needs to pastor. He does not think about all the programs that need to get done. He does not think about sort of the theological battles that he needs to fight to, to make sure that this church is on the straight and narrow path towards sanctification, towards holiness. Those will come. Paul's heart towards the church is always thankfulness. And his thankfulness, brothers and sisters, always spill out towards prayer. Spiritual or godly thanksgiving always leads to prayer. When you are thankful to the Lord for something, you don't keep it inside. But you tell that person, thank you. You guys were very generous in being able to gift me this iPad. Thank you. If I had it and just said to myself, I'm thankful for the iPad. Isn't this wonderful? That would seem very odd. There would be something very wrong with me. But when you're thankful to someone, or thankful to the Lord, that leads you to communicate, or in this sense, with our Lord. That leads us to prayer. And Paul's prayers are what? He says, I pray for you always. He continues constantly mentioning you, remembering This is the heart that Paul has for this church, that Silas has for this church, that Timothy has for this church. And it's where we as God's people need to always begin when we think about our local church. And here at CCPC, what we think about this church as well, That there's a thanksgiving for we know that God is here. The reason for this is because it's not simply people declaring with their lips, I believe in Jesus. It's not simply people declaring, with their actions and and showing up to events or to places of worship. But listen to the reason why Paul has such hope. For we know, brothers, love by God that he has chosen you. Why? Verse 5. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, And with full conviction, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Verse 7, their faith has become so known that in Macedonia and Achaia, everyone has heard of this church and what they have done. But not only there, but across the known Mediterranean world as well, of the faith that they've had in Christ. This faith that is seen is what gives Paul conviction to be thankful to the Lord. And it's where this church and any church must stand. What is the fruit that we look for? When the Word of God is taught here, do we see the Holy Spirit in work? When the Word of God is spoken, the Gospel is preached, the Gospel is taught, do you see a full conviction in people's hearts, in your own heart, that Jesus is the Lord and Jesus is the Savior? there's a personal and a corporate conviction together that when you hear someone at this pulpit preach the gospel, that everyone together will say, Amen. We are convinced that what is being preached, that Jesus died for me, that I am a sinner before the Lord, but I am loved by Him, that I have been freed from my past, I've been given an eternal hope, that there's nothing in this world that can touch me, that there's nothing, nothing that can separate me from the love of God, that that full conviction resonates, resonates in our fellowship, in our language, in our worship of God. But it's not only that. It's not simply seeing people praise God together and sing praises unto Him, but it's that their faith is made known wherever they are. There was a new work that was done, and the known world knows about it. Other churches that Paul has planted. And even the church back in Jerusalem, they hear it and they know about it. That these people were not silent in their faith, but these people live their faith with the uttermost joy, even as they received this gospel. with much difficulty about them. But this is what Paul longs to see in the fruit of God's people. This is what Paul longs to see, or Paul describes in in all the letters, and here in the letter to Thessalonians as well, of, of, of what a church should look like. That we rejoice in the gospel, And that our reputation is made known that this church loves Jesus. And this church wants other people to love Jesus. And this church is willing to suffer so that others will love Jesus. I wonder sometimes, There's hints of this in Scripture, but I can't imagine that Paul himself, everywhere he went, was successful in planting a church. I'm sure there are places where he preached the gospel where it sort of just didn't go exactly where it was planned. But for the way way that he was able to give thanks... Was to see the church thrive because the gospel came with power and conviction. People declared the greatness of the Lord in their lives, and the people declared the greatness of the gospel throughout the known world. We should give thanks. And this is my charge to all of you an encouragement to all of you. Give thanks for this church. For other churches that you came from, perhaps churches from your youth, give thanks for those churches. Give thanks when you see people in those churches have come to know the Lord. Give thanks for those churches when... Their, their work has, has been made known. And always start from there. And begin from there. Before you go any further. Go to the Lord in prayer with other thanksgiving. For you know that the Holy Spirit is at work here. Amongst us, a faith that is seen, a faith that is demonstrated. This church is interesting in the fact that this church loved Paul, loved Timothy. And Love, Silas, it's it's the only letter where those three people show up. And there's this beautiful relationship between this church and these three people. Look at verse 6. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Number two, part two, point two in this in this sermon. When the church loves one another, the church imitates one another. Let me say that again. When the church loves one another, the church will imitate one another. Think about it. Think about your favorite basketball player, um, men. You don't notice, but sometimes consciously, but sometimes unconsciously, you start to imitate how the way they play. You just do it. Think about if you like a musician and you just listen to them. What do you do? You start to imitate them, whether you know it or not. Think about marriages that you look up to. And before you get married, you're like, this is the type of marriage that I want, consciously or unconsciously. When the church of Thessalonians saw the way, I believe here, saw the way that Paul, Silas, and Timothy loved one another as partners in the gospel, as they faced much affliction in sharing the gospel, they saw faith Seen, faith revealed. They saw how these three men did everything together for the sake of the gospel, how they suffered together, how they fought. But in the end, how they were faithful to Jesus. And because of that, what does the church do? What what, what does the church do? What, what does the church do? Well, when someone tells you. Believe in Jesus and become a disciple of Jesus, love one another, or love God and love one another. We hear that and we're like, yes, let's do it. But the question always is: is how do we live that out? What does that actually look like in our context, in our culture? What does it look like to love one another? What does it look like to sacrifice? What does that mean to love God and to love one another? Paul, Timothy, and Silas demonstrated that to them. And they became imitators. I can imagine them saying, look at the faith of these three men who loved us so much, who gave so much to us, and who faithfully preached the gospel to us, who told us about Jesus so much, who pointed us to our salvation we want to be like that. We're still trying to figure out who we are as, as individuals. We're trying to figure out our own culture. But the best place to start is to imitate the way they acted towards one another. Because I saw Jesus as we saw Jesus' love amongst those three. Every church has a culture. And every church has a manner in which they love one another in the Lord. Now there are are principles, sacrifice. There are principles, long-suffering. There are principles of rejoicing together. There are principles of mourning together. There are principles of reading scripture together, praying together. There are principles, but how that actually plays out in the flesh. They didn't have cars back then. They didn't have internet back then. But we can use our vehicles, we can use the internet to show love to one another. Bring people food. Send them a gentle uh, text. Call them. Here at this church, in order for us to continue to grow, one of the beautiful things about gathering together is we get to see the Christian life in action. And we get to say, I want to become like so-and-so. I like the way that he or she demonstrates the gospel in her relationship with, 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 with Scripture. I love the way he loves serving people by, I don't know, by having lunch with them and always talking about Jesus and praying for them in the end. I enjoy how these four people always gather together. And the way they gather together just how pure their speech really is towards one another. I love how these people will weekly go out and help those who have less and who need to know that Jesus still loves them and cares for them. It is a way that we as a church continue to grow by imitating others who have shown the gospel. None of you need to reinvent the wheel. You don't need to be super creative to love other people. You don't need to go to Pinterest. I don't know if there is. Is there, a, is there a Pinterest about, about how to love people with the gospel? Maybe there is. I don't know. All you need to do is even look in this room or the people we know who are worshiping with us now and say, this is the way I want to love as well. The church, our church. This is the way I want to be at work like this person. This is the way I want to be like a good neighbor. This is the way I want to glorify God as well you see when the gospel comes when Jesus comes into into our lives everything changes this new creation is not simply about you and God this new creation is about a new community a new fellowship, a new church that's been established. The joy that Paul exudes and Silas and Timothy and the joy that we should exude is that when we come together, we can rejoice in our singing. We can rejoice in the Lord and the gospel. We can rejoice in all the good things that are happening in our church and all the great relationships that we have. We can rejoice even as we know that, we re- even as we receive the word with much affliction, knowing that in the Spirit of God, He will lead us in the right direction. And our joy is not seeing sort of the faults of each person, but our joy is to imitate one another in the ways the Holy Spirit is working in us as individuals. The joy is seeing Jesus and the gospel alive in us. We often talk about the life of the Christian and the life of the church of being already not yet. That we have already been made whole or sanctified in the Lord, but we're not yet in that state of perfection. What Paul does here is not to look at the not yet, but to look at the already. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged that Jesus looks at you Perfectly and whole. For us as a church, for us as God's people, look at one another and see what God has already done. See what He's already done. And rejoice in that. For God has already done marvelous and great things here at Christ's Covenant Presbyterian Church. Let us love one another deeply. Let us rejoice deeply. For God surely, surely abides here. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Paul's letters to the churches. And we thank you for this letter in particular. We thank you that we see a heart of three men who loved deeply. A group of people, men, women, and children. They sacrificed all with much affliction, much suffering. was able to show, show the joy of the gospel. And we also saw all over in the book of Acts people like Jason and others who housed these people were were persecuted for welcoming these three men who taught about Jesus and how this church was steadfast. Lord, each church is different. Each journey of each church is different. But we thank you for our church, Christ covenant Presbyterian. We do not espouse I think we're any more special than any other church that's been established by the gospel. But we thank you that you've been faithful to us, Lord God. Help us as a church to continue to long for good fellowship with one another in the gospel. Help us, Lord God, to be able to live lives that is always colored by Jesus and what he has done. And help us as we will one day all regather here together to hear each other's voices sing and ring in this room. As we're able to sort of talk to one another and sort of cross-pollinate about what Jesus has done for me and what Jesus has done for my relationships. That each and every one of us will get excited about what God can do not only for us as individuals, but more importantly, how we can love this church, we can love our co-workers, we can love our fellow students, we can love our families, we can love this world in a better way. And so, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for CCPC. Thank you that... The gospel has come to these people, to all of us. Thank you that that it came to us not simply in word, but in power and the Holy Spirit, full conviction. Thank you, Lord, that we imitate one another, Lord God, in in attempting to further our relationship with you and grow our in our maturity towards you. Thank you, Lord God, that people know about this church. And thank you, Lord, that when people speak of CCPC, they indeed speak that the gospel lives here. Thank you for everyone in this building. Thank you for everyone who is listening and and everyone who participates in this body, Lord God. And Lord, as the end of this letter says, we wait eagerly, Lord, for the day of Jesus to come. We wait eagerly, Lord, for Jesus to deliver us. And so, Lord, we lift up your name on high with all joy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.